0: Absolutely loved catching up with this gorgeous Jasmine Hemsley for this wonderful episode. Not only was she inspiring for this podcast, I've actually found a new friend. A true inspiration, Jasmine is a three-time best-selling author, a chef, food and health writer, restaurateur, TV presenter, nutrition and wellness expert, and one half of the Hemsley Hemsley, which began as a tailored food service aimed at helping people with their digestion gut health and their relationship with food. Working alongside her sister, Melissa, it wasn't long before Hemsley & Hemsley grew to see them catering for private clients, celebrities and top brands across the UK, as well as launching a TV series in over 28 countries. Wow. With a passion for eating well, to feel happier, healthier and more energised, Jasmine believes in conscious and joyful living, drawing from Eastern wisdom and holistic philosophies of health, and combining that with the latest developments in Western well-being. Listed in the top 20 UK chefs, Jasmine now uses her platform to promote a 360-degree approach to health and encourage a simpler, more mindful way of life. Her latest book, East by West, which won the Women's Health Wellbeing Book of the Year Award, is based on the ancient healing systems of Ayurveda and aims to introduce simple Eastern philosophies into the Western way of life. In this incredible episode, Jasmine shares with us her inspiring journey, the importance of understanding our bodies and how we can use simple Ayurvedic philosophies to help us live healthier, happier lives. You will also discover how well-being really does begin from within. The importance of having a routine to keep yourself in check. The value of a support network in helping you to keep things in perspective. The benefits of creating space for planning and reflection as you work towards your dreams. How to eat and live more mindfully every day, being gentle with how you speak to yourself. The importance of good digestions, not just a good diet. And so much more. So let's get right into it. So hello, Jasmine, and welcome to our Dream Life podcast. I am so incredibly excited to speak to you today. And I absolutely adore your philosophy on food and well-being and how it all really begins from within. And your story is so unique and inspiring, and I cannot wait to explore that with you. But first, I'd like to think back to your childhood. Did you have any
1: dreams for the future when you were a child? I actually sat in the lobby and called my other half and said, have I ever told any stories about what I dreamt about when I was young? And he said, the one about when you wanted to be a cooker. So one thing I remembered, obviously, because I went into cooking in the last 10 years, is that I did remember saying to my parents, or they told me, that when they asked me what I wanted to be when I was older, I said, a cooker. And they said, gas or electric? (laughs) Of course, I didn't understand at the time because I was about five. But that came back because I was thinking, how did I end up cooking for a living? Other than that, I was definitely a dreamer, but I don't think I fixated on any particular job. Mm. I'm very empathetic and I'm very moved by words and images. So mm. if I was reading a particular book or watching a movie, that's what I would want to be. Yeah, I'm also Aquarius, so I'm here, there, everywhere. Yeah, I think it just goes to show that I, Aquarian Vata types, whatever you like, you can really see yourself in so many roles and doing so many things. Mm. And Actually, I'm quite glad I was born... In this time, because a couple of generations ago you went to job and you did it, and you yeah. stayed there for fifty years, yeah. maybe you moved once if you 're lucky, and now we 're in this age of being this slash this slash this, so I have had kind of a, quite a, a varied career since I started working, from waitressing to being a scenic artist to being a tequila girl to being a I studied furniture and product design. I then modelled for years and travelled the world, and then I ended up cooking for people because I really thought there was just something very much missing. Twenty years ago, yeah. when health and wellness was about low-fat margarine, I always call it kind of dry food, not touching on the plate, mm. yeah. <laughs> lest the dressing have fat in it or oil. So, as a kid, I was yeah very creative and very swayed. I, I could I could see myself doing lots of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Great.
0: So tell us a little bit about your story. Last year you released your first solo cookbook, mm-hmm. East by West, and you're very much into the Ayurvedic philosophy of eating for nourishment and well-being, which I absolutely are so in line with. I think we have a lot in common, so yes. I'm very excited about this chat. And you won the Women's Health Cookbook
1: of 2018. Well-being book. Well-being, cookbook. Women's Sorry. Health Well-being Book of the Year, oh, yeah, wow. which was huge. Thank you so much. I was, that was a big... Actually, you were, we were talking just before we came in about what we get nervous about. Yeah. I've spoken in front of hundreds of people, yeah. thousands of people. I've played soundbards for, but going to get this award in a really intimate setting, I could barely breathe because I think it just meant so much for, yeah. for Ayurveda to be recognised in the mainstream yeah. by a very popular magazine, but also to have taken the gamble to do it because you know it, it's it's not a well-known world in the word in the yeah. UK or philosophy. And also it, you know, I'd created something really fun and colorful with Hemsley and Hemsley, but I just felt I wanted to tell a bit more of my story and really what drove me and my passion behind Hemsley and Hemsley at a time when I don't think I could have talked about Ayurveda 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Sorry, I took a gamble. On talking about what I loved and it totally paid off.
0: Love it. So tell me a little bit more about your story, how you actually got into with your sister first and then, and obviously then uh, going solo. So just tell me a little bit more how you got into it. I'm super excited to share this with our listeners.
1: So I was probably about 18, 19 when I first heard of the word Ayurveda. And that was probably the beginning of my interest in looking at all things wellness. I heard about it through yoga, first of all. But really, I went into yoga because I was just about the, you know, oh, this sounds much easier than running on a treadmill or or pushing weights. And much more kind of me because I've yeah. got, a, you know, I also like to dance when I was younger. And then actually, uh, Australia plays a big part. So I have been cooking since age nine, probably. Yeah. I love homey comfort food, but I also love all types of cuisine. My mum's Filipino, my dad's English. Um, he was in the army. We traveled a lot and we were encouraged always to eat all, try all the different foods. So yeah. I, I had a, a good palate. And then I started to realize the difference in in my early 20s of cooking for myself and when I just ate out, which was suddenly the thing to do because there's eateries everywhere. Yeah. Food had become cheaper. You didn't have to think about what you were going to eat. Pack before you left the house. You could just buy it, and I really felt the difference between how I felt energy-wise and mood-wise, etc. Especially through modelling, you become very, very aware yeah. of your skin yeah. and your energy and your mood. You can't walk onto a set with a whole new team and having have a bit of a down day, yeah, you know. Nice. Unlike if you're in an office and you've got friends around you who are a bit like, "Oh, jazz is a bit off today." Yeah. So every day I had to have my game face on, and so I really quickly picked up on that. Plus, modelling makes you obviously very self-aware, yeah. and I knew about the issues with sugar all the way back then. Yeah. But the Australia part is that my other half and I have been together for 15 years now, Nick. He was also modeling and acting. It was interesting because I got him cooking and he got into eating fats, which I was really into, but wasn't kind of what everyone was into at the time. We went to Australia, had an amazing time. My sister flew out for my 30th birthday and she had a little bit of a sabbatical and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And we kind of had this dream of, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to offer what they have in Australia, just like really simple, but good food and fresh. And we kind of like played with cafe names and things. So the three of us traveled around Australia and New Zealand and then came back. And when I got back, I kind of ramped up this idea I had of, well, I guess... There were supper clubs, but I didn't know they were called that then. Yeah. So I started to cook for people. And I also started to do like cupboard clear outs. And I said, you know, have this salt and, and use this oil for frying and use this oil for salads and, and put this on your, you know, use black pepper here and add ginger to this and drink herbal teas and, you know, take something to work in a flask so you know you've got something. And, and that kind of spread throughout my modeling until all this, my stylist friends were doing it, my modeling friends were doing it, the makeup artist friends were doing it. And then one day I kind of landed my first client via everyone talking about it. And so I juggled cooking for this guy and modelling for a cup for about six months until I nearly burnt out. And then I was like, Mel, please come along and help me. This is this is I need your help. And then I guess what was the beginning of Hemsy and Hemzy became. So Nick, Melissa and, and me and it grew. And then we started blogging Two years later for Vogue and then wrote our first cookbook and that was a huge success. And the second cookbook followed two years later, as well as a cafe and a TV show all at the same time. So Mm. talk about near burnout. That was a really... A very intense time of my life. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I love your um, cafe. I um, often go to sandwiches oh, and um, I always eat at your cafe. Thank you. And I you. love that. So, so
1: that was a long yeah. story Yeah, no, uh, over the last 10 yeah, years no, or good. 20.
0: Yeah, no, it's great for our listeners to hear your backstory. So let's discuss your book now east by west which mm-hmm. i love you know i'm a big cookbook lover so one of my favorite things to do on the weekend is um maybe not always cook from them because i get inspired <laughs> by the photos yes, and yeah, reading me too. them that's and, how i use cookbooks yeah and i think also i um, i get inspired indirectly and then do my own thing but yes. um, but one of my absolute favorite thing is to have a cup of tea on the weekend and actually not having to do anything but looking at beautiful cookbooks mm. so yours is obviously one of them Um, Can you tell our listeners about your cookbook a little bit and also explain a little bit more about the Ayurvedic philosophy and how you came to discover its connection to living a healthier life?
1: Yes. So just to touch on the Ayurveda briefly. So the Ayurveda means the knowledge of life or the science of life. It's a direct translation. Um, It's a Sanskrit word. And this philosophy was created about 5,000 years ago in India. And for India and Sri Lanka, it's really the first port of call when it comes to looking after themselves. And it's not like our allopathy or our Western medicine. This really starts in the home with your cooking. So they use nature's medicine cabinet of herbs and spices in their food. They have certain times that they eat. They respect those times. They don't, you know, the idea is to be very connected to everything you're doing. This is where the mindfulness comes from, the yoga comes from. And really, Ayurveda stands for that balance, that delicate balance of mind, body, and spirit. So you can see how. I kind of took a gamble with bringing that in. But somehow the university, the university, the universe, the universe supported it because suddenly we are having conversations about mental health and spiritual health as well as physical health. So Ayurveda has been knocking on my door since I mentioned going to that yoga class and hearing it for the first time. And it wasn't a total, I didn't jump ship. I didn't think, wow, this is all the answers. I thought, whoa, this is weird. I've never heard of it. I don't know anybody else that does it, but this kind of makes sense. And I incorporated that. And then as I go along, you know, in my life, oh, I read that again. Oh, that really resonates. I'm going to incorporate that. Wow, that works. So that could be something as simple as I moved my dinner time from 8 p.m. or 8.30 to 6.30, 7 o'clock. Such a difference. The way I sleep, the way I eat, the way I feel, my (laughs) energy. And how I felt in the morning, you know, I was able to meditate in the morning. Whereas when I was eating late, I'd have to eat the first thing when I woke up in the yeah. morning. I yeah. actually learned to meditate in Australia as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nine years ago. That's how I got into um, the Ayurveda and it started to really influence me. I was also very much influenced by functional medicine as well as all the traditional uh, foods and uh, wellness from around the world. And as I'm watching functional medicine now, and it's moving at such a fast pace, mm-hmm. it's really coming right up there with Ayurveda. Mm. All the things that we see, the intermittent fasting, the the circadian rhythm, the massage, the acupuncture, the mindfulness, the meditation, it's all Ayurveda. Mm. And science is actually verifying this ancient knowledge right now. So it's an exciting time. Um, So I created this book sharing really my journey as somebody who is I guess an Ayurveda enthusiast more than anything. And I kind of wrote it in a way to be that bridge between this beautiful philosophy and us, I'm assuming Westerners living in a Western urban lifestyle um, in a modern, busy, frantic, technology-driven, fast-paced world. Mm. How can we incorporate this and how, how has it got any benefit to us? How has it got any relevance? Well, it's tried and tested. yeah, And it's still in use today in India and Sri Lanka. And people are using it. They don't even know it's called Ayurveda, but it's just part of what's come down generation after generation after generation. And I think this book is something that, you know, really gets you on board in cooking. It's 140 recipes. I'm not a trained chef, so it's just how I can cook at home. Yeah. And I can apply the philosophy of Ayurveda to our favorite recipes like pancakes like muffins like like a sunday roast yeah. because we can think of it as a cuisine but it's not really indian food at all although it has the spices it's not chili and it's not it's it's kind of comfort food and it's mild and the whole family can eat it and so and i also wanted to share with this book for you to understand as you're cooking you start to pick up the philosophy in exactly the same way that i learned ayurveda mm-hmm. which is not to go somewhere and study and completely flip how I believe, but actually just incorporate slowly and slowly and see what works for me. And so the back of the book talks about Ayurveda, the doshas, which most people have heard of, and also helps you to understand it in context, because I think the Western way was to take the dosha types, which is Vata, Pitta, Kapha, if anyone's ever heard of those, and use them like almost the blood type diet and go, this is me, therefore, this is what I do, this is what Therefore, this is what I am and this is what I'm going to eat. But actually, Ayurveda teaches us that we have all the doshas within us and that we are constantly in flux and constantly moving. And so to embrace the movement, because we cannot control everything and nothing is static, but also how to remedy it and balance it when it gets too far Mm. makes us feel imbalanced. Mm. So I just think it's a beautiful, romantic approach to life. Mm, and living. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny, I've been um, more and more reading about
0: it and finding more books about it Mm. and really following it as well. So um, I absolutely love it. We're all living in the same crazy busy modern world. And Mm. sometimes no matter how organized we are, we have to find a quick meal to feed ourselves uh, or our family. Do you have a favorite go-to quick solution to cook when you're a little time poor, but still want
1: to eat well and
0: Obviously, avoid
1: the takeaway option, which is not always the oh, healthiest yes. one. <laughs> I do. So, my, I probably live on maybe five times a week or five meals a week minimum, kichari. Yeah. Or kichari. I say kichari, but, yeah. but uh, I think you're supposed to say kichari or kichdi, yeah. depending yeah. where you are in India. And this is, uh, I explain it like something between a stew and a risotto. So, you make it with white basmati rice, which is really important. Um, you can make it with brown, but I would always soak my brown basmati rice overnight or eight hours, rinse it, and then overcook it, almost so the, the little grains burst. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it might be very nutritious, but as we find from Ayurveda, if you can't digest it, it's either doing you no favors or worse, yeah. it's having a problem within the body. Because you're just putting something in there the body can't deal with. Yeah. So I stick to the white basmati rice, which is great because it will cook in 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And split mung beans. Yeah. So mung dal. So they're the little yellow split ones. You can get them in lots of Asian supermarkets. You can get the whole ones in most supermarkets, but then you need to soak those overnight. So I always have uh, um, some of the split dal, some of the white basmati rice. I literally take half a cup of each, pop it into a pot, pour some boiling water on, Get it cooking. And then in a frying pan, I put a dollop of ghee, which is like clarified butter. And it's really important in Ayurveda, but you can use your favorite cooking fat. And then I'll take my spice tin of seven spices: cardamom, cumin, ginger, turmeric, cinnamon. What's the last two? <laughs> What's the last two? I can't remember. I'll have black pepper in a pot, some salt, and I'll just quickly saute them in the ghee until they're really fragrant. And then I just mix that into my pot. Mm, yum. And the whole thing's ready really quickly. If you want to cook it on low, you can totally walk away, put it on a slow cooker. Yeah. And it's comforting, it's delicious. You can just amp up the spices a bit if you want. I didn't even have to chop a vegetable, but if I fancied it, I could then also put in sweet potato, I could put in carrots, I could put in uh, leafy greens. If I'm feeling very heavy, I'll put leafy greens in. Yeah if I'm feeling very flighty, I'll put root vegetables in. Yeah. So you can kind of see how you can Absolutely. really tweak the recipe to suit you. If I'm very cold, I'll stick lots of ginger and black pepper. Yeah. If I'm feeling very hot, I'll put in fresh coriander and mint instead. Yeah. So go for the cooling herbs. Yeah. So it's a lovely way to bring balance via your food, but also it's very easy to digest. It's very comforting. You know, Ayurveda loves soft foods. It's not about raw foods, which a lot of people think it must be. And yeah, the ghee is really important. Yeah love that thank you for sharing that you're i'm welcome. gonna
0: definitely do that i'm a very very much part of like i love dolls it's my my thing i, I mm. eat it or, yes they you
1: know, have one here on, in the room oh, so it's a vegan one and i i eat it every I'm night amazing. <laughs> and you can you know you can make it soupier by adding more water so if you want something light or you can make it you know stodgy so you can stand a spoon up in it yeah. depending how you're feeling so. yeah Lo- love that thank you for
0: sharing if you could give our listeners three top tips for a healthier life mm-hmm. based on your philosophy what would they
1: so just really easy things that work for me are having some kind of structural routine we talked about us being vata so vata is here there and everywhere we're easily overstimulated so just having that routine in the back of my head gives me a kind of focus so for example bedtime for me if I go to bed before 10 or 10 really it just is worth I mean I think that the old wives saying is an hour before 12 is worth two after. Yeah. So going to bed at 10 works for my rhythm. I've noticed I'm going to bed later and later and later. I will aim for nine. It's so yeah. I'm in bed for 10. You know, not yeah. have to play these little games with myself. Absolutely. But yeah, the the early bedtime. <laughs> Number two, hot water. Yeah. So hot water is very cleansing. It's very supportive of the agni or the digestive fire. It tastes sweeter for mm. some reason. It gets you out of your head because you can feel it moving down your body. It helps, yeah, to, to shift anything that wants to shift out. And it's not, it's not shocking to the body. And I think living in a very cold country, you might not want to do it, you know, in the heat of summer in I do still, because we have air conditions. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, exactly. And also, exactly. obviously, I live in Sweden as well. So yeah. that's, um, I'm very much a hot water person. Yeah. yeah. So I was at the tennis yesterday with my, my flask of hot water. And I was like, God, this is, this is good. Sorry, mm. I'm, I'm a cheap date. My third one, be my third one is to eat my main meal at lunchtime. Mm. So actually, I'm going to meet friends now for, if I'm going to feast... I find lunch when my agni is at its strongest. So the agni generally follows the sun. So in the morning, I have a light breakfast, light warm breakfast. Then at lunch, I can really have almost what I want unless Mm -hmm. I'm feeling not very well. And then I have a a small dinner going out. And so, yeah, make your main meal lunchtime so that you can have an earlier, lighter supper. And then you're digested before you go to bed. Those three things, if I can kind of get at least one or two of them going that I'm good. Mm, I love that. Thanks for sharing. In my recent
0: book, I talk a lot about the questions of who as in who can help. My experience is that one of the most important things people can ask is as they move forward, making their dream lives happen, who can help me and who can I learn from, who has successfully done what I am trying to do. You clearly have a lot of self-drive and self-belief and a strong passion for what you do. But is there anyone who has helped you to get where you are today? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a support
1: system behind yes. this. <laughs> Good. Behind every great woman is about 75 other people. Yes. Yeah, That's definitely what's going on for me. So I'd have to say, first, my other half, Nick. Yeah. I've been with him 15 years and we've done this all together. Yeah. And he's always the one that's done it in the background, you know. Sector um, like my partner. But- yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, oh, why don't you come up here and do some of this, you know, when I have to go on stage or. or... Yeah. You know, go and show my face to things and I'm not feeling it. But, yeah, he's been amazing. And also it it makes it so much easier when you're both on the same level at home. You know, Mm. he's been incredibly supportive. He's just as enthusiastic as me. I mean, I remember kind of conning him into doing meditation with me. And he didn't want to do it. He's fairly chilled anyway, you know. He loved it yeah he was you know the, the the director of Hemsley and Hemsley we've slogged sweat blood and tears mm-hmm. you know Hemsley and Hemsley was born in my kitchen and l- we lived with it for te- for 10 years yeah. my mum my mum and dad I'd say because I never had that feeling that I couldn't do anything mm-hmm. they they weren't really people that pushed me into anything but they always had this kind of but why wouldn't you be able to do that mm-hmm. attitude so it was like a given rather than a driven yeah. if you if you know what I mean yeah then Susie Pearl, who is a kind of friend, aunt, sister, mum, uh, best mate, she is someone who came through a friend to help me during a time when I had to be on this TV, and I was a bit nervous, yeah. and she has done all kinds of things with me. Our whole relationship has mostly taken place over Skype, but I adore her, and she's just been incredible at. Pulling out the best bits from me, I think, mm. because I think I always try to, you know, you always try to stop yourself failing, so you put a little kind of barrier there, don't yeah. you? And she's like, get it out, and then the other person is is Gary Goro, who taught me to meditate, and I've I've really been reflecting on this over the while well, I was writing the book, actually, because I noticed he was dropping tiny little seeds of ayurveda, mm. and even at the time, I remember thinking, what do you mean about that, Gary? I'm not going to do that. That doesn't make sense from my functional medicine kind of interest. And then I really understood, you know, it would come Mm. a year later. So again, he was really good at, without kind of shaping me or telling me what to do, he was also very instrumental in bringing out the best from me. Mm. So I think those four people, I I, I owe big time. Mm,
0: Fantastic. Love it. Thank you for sharing. Thinking back of your journey so far, Mm -hmm. and you're so young with so much to look forward to still, what would you say has been the biggest obstacle or challenge you faced along
1: your journey? And how did you overcome that? Oh, I think I'm still overcoming it. I think it's, I think it's the big question of what do I want Mm -hmm. in life? I think when you are doing something like this, this whole, you know, within this well, well well-being sphere where we can be really torn one way or the other, because, you know, as soon as you are building a business, it's, Suddenly, got nothing to do with well-being because it is blood, sweat, and tears, and you're you're fighting to make this happen, to not let people down, to look after your your public image, yeah. to fulfil everything that's being asked of you, and you find yourself doing none of the things that you've been talking yeah, about. yeah. But I also think that that's been my success as well because I don't mind telling people when I'm not feeling great. You yeah. know, I think I'm not afraid to say I am tired, and I'm not I'm and I'm brave enough to say. I'm going to honor that. Yeah. And that's really hard. And it takes me a long time because, you know, I was definitely one of those people that did it, did it, did it, did it. And, you know, sleep when you're dead kind of thing. And then I realized, what am I doing this all for? Am I going to remember this day on my deathbed? Am I going to remember this day in 10 years time? Why? Why am I killing myself? So I think one of the things that has been so helpful about having Susie and Gary around is them being able to put things in perspective. And from there, I've learned some really good tricks about putting things into perspective because on the outside, you know, I'm doing these beautiful sound baths, I'm talking about Ayurveda. I'm cooking people. You know, I'm helping people. It's so incredibly rewarding, but I'm spanking myself. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask myself constantly, Is this what I need to be doing? Is this worth it? What can I do to make this better, easier, and put it into perspective? And I think this is a daily obstacle I have Mm. because the opportunities are there. And you feel like you want to push on and I'm being very creative. I want to try this project and this project and talk about this. And then you have to remember, you can't do it all. Yeah. You cannot do it all. So I think that has been the longest and biggest obstacle is how do you create your balance? How do you write your story? How do you not get caught up in the rat race? Because you can be talking wellness, but you're still creating a business with lots of technology, you know, and lots of responsibility. So I'm not over it. No. But I think it's part of... The journey, if yeah, you like. absolutely,
0: yeah. and I think sometimes the, the obstacles and the and the challenges is where the growth is. Yes, um, and that's where you you know I, I meet so many people. Who are not living their dream life yeah. and they're stuck and I you know one of my mentors Robin Sharma, he said to me never waste a good crisis
1: uh, you know
0: in terms I of, love that yeah. one
1: I'm gonna that's gonna have to be one of the little things that pops up when I'm when I'm having a word with myself
0: because yeah. I think you know the uh, the challenging time is where where you actually relook at things mm. and um, and re-look at what you actually want to do in life and also yeah.
1: it's where all the learnings are yeah. yeah I have to say that's probably my the hardest thing that I find is you know Susie wants me to do mind maps or someone asked me to do a five year plan and suddenly my brain gets completely jumbled. Yeah. And I almost freeze. Yeah. I can do things, but I can't plan. And actually as when I studied furniture and product design, you know, if they gave me a project, you know, do whatever you want with this space, da, 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 frozen. If they gave me a matchstick and a toothbrush and said make something from this, fine. I can yeah, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting down, I think to I, I tell this to people all the time and it's a reminder to myself take the time to reflect and to create mm. like don't stumble into every creation you do it works for some people and i get and i really certainly get by by it but when i actually sit there and go what is this what does it look like where am i going and it it might not ever go and exactly be like that although weirdly it does when i look back but it just makes things a lot clearer mm. and makes the noise dial down a level. Yeah. I think that yeah.
0: makes sense. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> absolutely. So in my book, I challenge readers to explore the idea, wouldn't it be amazing if you could make a living or spend a large part of your life following your purpose and doing what you really love? And you seem to be absolutely the perfect example of someone who's doing that. What advice can you share with our listeners on how they can make that happen for themselves too?
1: I think definitely, definitely the planning. Definitely. I remember, I remember sitting with Gary one day and in Australia, in Sydney, yeah. in Avalon, actually, yes. in Ayurveda, in, in that Vedic philosophy, they call it your dharma. What's your dharma? Your life's yeah. purpose. Yeah. And I remember I, because I did design, I was thinking, gosh, I really want to do I don't know bikini design. I got back into fashion. And I remember him saying to me, no, I'll see you in the, in the well-being world or the wellness world. And I remember thinking, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Until a year and a, half, a year later, I called him on Skype and he said, what are you up to? And I said, oh, so much is going on. So much- Oh, my goodness, I think I'm in the wellness world. Mm -hmm. I think try and find like-minded people to bounce off is really, really important. And I certainly understood that when I was doing furniture and product design. When you're around creative people, wow, the stuff just flows. Then you need to be by yourself with a pen and paper or however works best for you and just map it out. Because when you map it out and you commit words to paper, which you can easily scrub through... You see it in a different light Mm. and you get very clear on what you want. And even if you don't get clear on what the end game of where you're going is, there is a structure. So that's kind of what works for me. And it's that balance between going with the flow. So you might have thought, I want to be a broadcaster, I want to start a new snack bar line. And then the snack bar line takes you over here and you're making energy drinks or you're going to be a broadcaster and then suddenly you're being a host on a TV show. Go with the flow. But always reflect, because if you don't reflect, you don't know if you're, you're, not, you're supposed to be coming back on mm-hmm. yourself or if this is the new avenue. Mm-hmm. So I think don't be afraid to step outside of your plan, but always have a chance to reflect and say, here I am, new ground, new territory, new day. What's the lesson or what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the understanding from this? Yeah. I love that. I, I think um,
0: thinking on paper is what yes. I do. And obviously being a paper person, that's, yes. um, that's something that I
1: feel very passionate about. So yes. I'm glad you are getting it. I mean, it might not work for everybody, but I think we can get mind maps now on on, um, to, on the computer and things. But yeah, sometimes just being away from a computer is actually a really nice thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. We <laughs> spend so much time on exactly. it. And there's, um, there's, you know, scientists ta-
0: tell us now that when you put pen to paper, you are creating new pathways in yes. your brain. So um, that's another good yes. reason to about
1: everyone all the kind of gen x and gen z who are like what do you mean pen and paper i don't know what a pen and paper is but but that's our job to keep that alive yes let's keep a pen and paper alive i love that
0: so a big crazy dream of mine is to inspire 101 million people around the world to write down three carefully considered dreams and then go and chase them because i find that i meet way too many people who are not loving their life Mm. or not living their dream life so i really want to inspire people to dream what three dreams would you write down if you knew anything was possible and if you couldn't possibly fail to achieve any of them, what would you do?
1: Something with animals, something with children, something with the environment. Mm. I think having a house with three dogs, <laughs> I just I just can't imagine life without animals mm. and, them, and you, you learn so much. Being in nature makes me feel alive, mm. like I'm never more alive than when I'm in a, a forest or yeah. in the sea. And just uh, right now understanding what's happening to our planet and seeing it practically firsthand now, aren't we? Even if it's just by a tablet in our house, but we're really seeing even environmentally just the summer we've had is just Mm. crazy. Something to protect the environment. And I think if yours is 101 million to do that, mine would be to get 101 million to people to just do something super proactive that gives us the kick up the butt to say, actually, we can bring down this this global warming quicker than we think because it feels a bit lost cause at the moment. So that would be a dream. And then with children, I think one of the fastest ways to change the establishment, the things that we're not working for us and society, the things that are not working for the environment is to work with the children. Yeah. Because that is just, then it will happen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Beautiful dreams. Thanks for sharing those. (laughs) I love it. So, Often I'm asked by people, how can I live a balanced life? It seems that a, like a modern day epidemic that people feel like they're living out of balance and it's mm. constantly busy and um,
1: a real struggle for people. What would you say to people who ask you that? So what I tell myself is, it's just an illusion. Yeah. It's just an illusion. When I think about that bored feeling, I don't think I've felt it since I was 15. Mm. You know, I really have struggled to feel like, Oh, what should I do with myself? Yeah. You know, that we have too much going on, too much opportunity, and that causes, I think, a lot of the anxiety that's going on. Mm. So this is what I do, and it might not be. You might not like it, but I'm just going to plant the seed. No, out this there. is all
0: about sharing your Let's your go. path.
1: Yeah. So for, for I don't have the TV on in my house. Yeah. Um, Same. We're so similar. I, we're so similar. It's because we be <laughs> not nutters, otherwise, wouldn't we? We had the TV as well as everything else going on. Um, yeah, I haven't had a TV for probably five years since the last one broke. And then when we moved house, we actually got a TV very cheaply from somebody. And and I have a room to kind of have it there, but without it being on and things. Mm-hmm. So as I said earlier, TV and books, I get very much. I fall into that world, and people think they're lying down and they're resting after work, winding down, and they're watching something quite harrowing Mm. on TV, and they don't realize that their whole body, Mm. we believe we're in it. Mm. Even though the rational mind is going, that's a movie and that's an actor. If you're feeling, if you're hooked, it means parts of your body are totally involved and they're not getting the rest they need. So prioritize, I mean, I, I think anyone who, who's, who's had a good night's sleep in the last couple of months and remembers how incredibly invigorated they felt mm-hmm. and how non-reactive they were when their mum called up and said the usual trigger thing or their other half said something about the washing up, you know, <laughs> and just see that's how powerful a good night's rest is. Mm. But also sleep is one type of resting, but there's another more active type of resting, which is reflection meditation, walking in nature, not hiking in nature necessarily, because that also feels very doing. So when I do my soundbars, we talk about nurturing the yin energy, the female cool energy, because we are conditioned to value only the masculine yang doing productive energy. Mm. You know, I think it's, I don't think there are many lazy people left because we have driven that out, but we've gone totally the other way and created this highly wired, anxious. Anxiety is a huge, huge issue. Yeah. I, I've got friends who are in their 20s. I've got friends who are in their 50s. And I remember one week hearing from, from three people, completely different jobs, completely different age groups, all having some kind of what sounded like a panic attack. Yeah. I think we have to be very brutally honest with ourselves. We have to control technology so it doesn't control us. Mm. We cannot do everything in a day. We cannot be the perfect hostess, mother, partner, cook, employee. We can't do it all. Or yeah. well, you can. Some people can get away with it for a while. And then when they burn out, yeah. wow, it's big. Yeah. So balance sounds like a weird, boring, or maybe perfectionist term. But really, you have to find the balance or you basically die. The yeah. body wants to be in balance. Homeostasis. And you can either go for it the easy way, which is to kind of keep the the wave smooth, you know, yes, a bit of up and down because that's exciting, but not the highs because the lows come. You go high, you get a low. So just watch out for that. That's what I would say to people. Just, again, create that structure. How do I feel after watching that TV show? Is it good for me? Am I now wired? change the lighting in your home, Mm. go for soft lighting in the evening, daylight only during the day, get enough daylight during the day. Just start to understand yourself as a human being who is in nature and of nature, Mm. and that suddenly it becomes much more intuitive about what you need. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I was just saying before that, that I, I never watched television mm. and um, I never watched the news like no. not even on the on the screens and I had to do it the other day because my family was on them on television oh, wow. so I had to go work um, yeah. through through it and both me and my partner were saying after. We've felt we felt so yes. not so good, not
1: not great at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: and and this is what people do every day. Yeah. And I get so many questions why I don't watch uh, the news yes. and uh, and how I can actually live in a in a world where mm. news is so important. I'm like mm. all the good all the good news and all the really important news will come, come to me anyway. Yeah, it anywhere.
1: does. mean yeah. we're on so many other platforms; it finds its way through. Through yeah. conversation or what have you I mean for me I went to watch the tennis last night yeah. and just being in that kind of space with the blue lighting my other half and I didn't go to bed at one yeah. and I had to, as soon as I hit the pillow I was gone but in the lead up I was thinking I'm not really tired yeah and it's because my body had seen all that blue light yeah. it thought it was daytime yeah and I could have just sat up and watched another movie if yeah. I'd fancied it but yeah. that's the effect that technology has on you I mean yeah. don't underestimate that you are one big clock and you are feeding you. You are feeding off all of the things around you. That's yeah. why you can feel rubbish after hanging out with someone who's feeling terrible yeah. or going through a bad time. And you can feel incredibly inspired when you hang around with someone whose energy is overflowing yeah. with you know great energy. Yeah. Yeah. So just be aware of the energies around you. It doesn't mean block out your best friend or, or who's going through a crisis or anything like that. It just means you have to be strong in yourself and you have to know how to not let your cup overflow overflow yeah. with the bad stuff. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Overwhelm, I think, is a big thing. Yeah. Even when things going well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. can
1: be massively
0: overwhelming. Yeah. I uh,
1: put on Instagram today,
0: and it's a quote that I say all the time because I meet so many people mm-hmm. who are kind of just starting out in life and yes. asking for a lot of of um, advice on on things, especially if, uh, as part of the they dream life. And I always say, especially with for mums with young kids, you can do anything mm-hmm. in life. Like mm-hmm. anything is possible, but not everything at the same time. Yes, exactly. And really making sure that you are doing what was important. At yes. that time, because I feel that so many, especially young mothers yeah. uh, who are big achievers yes. and then um, and then you're trying to, to juggle both. And um, one of the things that I did having young kids, mine are a little bit older now, so more manageable in that way, mm-hmm. but is um, to say no to certain things. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, yes. I, I, you know I, I did travel, but not as much. And I yes. I, didn't, I didn't say yes to any uh, talking engagements mm-hmm. or interviews mm-hmm. and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so really finding what is right for you, I think, Definitely. is so important.
1: And I think amazingly, the few times I've had to, I've just thought, you know what, I just can't do that, but Mm -hmm. I'm letting them down or I'm going to miss out on this opportunity or something. I literally take the time to meditate. So even though I feel like I've not even got a spare second, I will get into a meditative mode and I swear this works. By the time I call them and say, listen, I really, I've tried my hardest, but I can't make it or I can't do it or I can't be there. Oh, no worries. Actually, this has happened or this has worked out or you can come tomorrow. Actually, I couldn't make it today either. I can't tell you how many times that's happened just from not just from centering myself and getting still. And also, actually, it made me think about one of my dogs. So my two of my dogs are rescues and they had a really horrendous puppyhood. And one of them is really his behavior is kind of getting worse. And it's been a real challenge. This is is one of the other challenges in my life with my other half and I because it can be very stressful and we have seen a number of different trainers over the over the last year and different pieces of advice and i've just kind of really thought about this i feel like all the other trainers until this one we've just met have come with diet ideas mm. in that it's like a short term answer mm. so it got results but it's not really addressing the real issue. So it's like diet advice. Yeah. It works if you're trying to lose weight for a wedding or, or, yeah. gain, or gain weight to, for a muscle competition or something. But what's the long term? Yeah. And suddenly this, this lady has arrived and she has helped us understand it actually pretty easily and, because it's basically what I'm doing now. And what's happened is he has never been able to process his fears. And so every new... We kept on you know, socializing with everyone and he seemed fine. He seemed fine. But basically his cup was building up mm. with more and more stimuli and he can't process it mm. and then he starts being on edge so then he starts being awake and dogs need to sleep 16 hours a day mm. so then he's kind of on alert and then he becomes very reactive mm. and i can't help think that this is almost a metaphor of what humans are going through oh, you know well, you want to pacify him so you give him you find him some junk food because he's not going for the other food yeah. so then you start doing all those things that we do in our modern life to try and pacify the moment mm. But actually what we need to think of is the long, big picture. Yeah. And so we've just made him really, really calm. We call it after he has a walk, he goes to his room to meditate so that he can yeah. process all the smells, all the interactions, all the scary people that have walked past him. He has time to process that before he comes out and has to be part of a pack mm. who's then squabbling for food. And then after he's had his dinner, he goes back to his room to meditate. So there's a lot I'm learning from my yeah, dog. You know? Absolutely. He really, he really, I think it's something we need to begin to understand about yeah, ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. I
0: read somewhere that you said good digestion and a bad diet is better than bad
1: digestion and a good diet. I would love to explore a little bit more about that in detail. Absolutely. I this is something that many vaidyas have said to me. So vaidyas are Ayurvedic doctors. Yeah. And if you told this to me 10 years ago, I'd have been like, "What?" You know, because of the Western mind, it's like, what is on your plate? That's all we're interested in. What are the macros, the micros, the nutrition value, maybe even the calories if you were looking at it from a calorific point of view? How colorful is is it? What does it look like? Is it trendy? Is it pretty? Is it mouth-watering? But actually, if your digestion is not working well, this could be a plate of problem. Mm. And it could be, I, you know, I always say, it could be the most incredible biodynamic you know, seasonal, fresh, picked 20 seconds ago. But if you're n- are not hungry or you have poor digestion or you are stressed out or you're in a bad mood or you're eating on the run, this, it, it kind of rots in your gut, mm-hmm. you know? So let's take, for example, I don't know, an avocado because everyone's crazy about avocados, right? Yeah. So if I put that avocado into my body it, via my digestive system, you know, my body processes it and takes the goodness from it. If I just injected avocado into my bloodstream, that's poison, right? Mm. So if our body cannot digest properly, we're literally letting something into our body that's going to cause issues. Mm. And the body wants to kick it out or it goes into shutdown or, or whatever. So it's really important the how and when you eat, mm. even more so than what you're eating, say, the is. Mm. So you can be very detailed about that, but you're missing the picture if you're not addressing, you know, I need to be in a calm state because my whole focus needs to be this food, which is about to become me. That's about, this food is going to nourish me. And I think this is super helpful for when we're traveling mm-hmm. and we can't get the ideal food yeah. or even what you fancy. Even if, you know, so I'll walk around an airport and I will get the option that intuitively feels better. Yeah. Something that's freshly cooked, sometimes even if it's a donut compared to a raw, pre-packed, hard-to-digest kale salad. That is not going to be my friend. My digestive system is not going to like that. And whatever I'm eating, whether it is this beautiful plate of food cooked by someone or not my ideal plate of food, just taking that moment to be grateful just lets my body know I'm eating this. Mm. And then I don't bring my resentment into it, or I don't bring my, my guilt into it, or I don't bring my problem from the, or the email that I just wrote into it mm. it's just me and the food so I'm very grateful that I even have a plate of food to have an opinion about and then I'll eat it and taste it and savor it and work out how much of this am I going to need you know to fulfill me right now mm. and I think that has been worked so much for me because my digestion is the first thing to go when I'm traveling mm. or when I'm stressed out And I think it's important for young women, especially who have grown up in a time where we've had all these influences that have have helped us create bad relationships with food. Mm. I think that's important to say, you know, Ayurveda is not about good or bad, yes or no. It says, if you want to eat that chocolate cake, just be sure you really want it right now. Yeah. Because, you know, you can have that chocolate cake tomorrow or you can have it a little bit over every day. Or you can say, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to eat that burger. It's not good for me. But actually, that burger's good for you if you are completely there and your digestive system is feeling good. Mm. So what does that look like? It, it means, are you hungry? Yeah. Is your mouth salivating at the thought of it? Are you chewing it well? Because there are no teeth in your tummy, so the saliva, the amylase has got to get round it. Are you tasting it? Are you savoring it? Because that's sending signals to the brain, to the stomach about what it's what it's digesting, and then you know when you're satiated or satisfied, rather than when you're, oh, I'm full. Wish I hadn't had that. Now I need to go to the gym. Oh gosh, I feel bad. Oh, I've got belly ache. Oh, no, I might as well just have another one. Oh, sod it. Let's just have a chocolate cake on top. And that's the kind of conversations we have, isn't it? (gasps) So I think being present, just like being present about your work, you know, making little two-minute segments to go, right, I'm here. I'm back in the game. I'm not in the future. I'm not reminiscing about the past. I'm right here. This is what's going on. Mm. I feel like that creates time as well for me. Yeah. Look after your digestion, hot water, eating the meals at the right time of the day, Not eating when you're stressed, upset, anxious. Not eating when you're running, rushing around. Mm. Treating meals like the sacred thing that they are and have been in cultures and traditions for as long as we've been humans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. Love that. Thank you. I really love your passion for balancing body, mind and spirit in our fast paced lives. This is something I'm really passionate about. And listening to your body, being conscious of what you are doing and eating, if we just discussed, Mm -hmm. and being aware of and mindful in all that you do. I'm interested to know whether you have a specific mindfulness practice. I know you do sound bath. Yes. Yeah, and how you how you do that and also how you manage to fit it into your busy schedule so for so you are living in the wellness space I'm assuming mm-hmm. you would take time for that but some tips on how our listeners can uh, can add that to their lives
1: as well. Okay, so I talked about going to bed early. Yeah. If I go to bed early, it means I can wake early. You and me so life. I know, but you get to wake up in Australia. It's so <laughs> gorgeous. Obviously, much, much easier in the summer. But when I can get up early, I have this chunk of time before I have to be anything to anybody, mm. before any emails come through, before I have to start getting ready to go somewhere and looking at my timetable. And that time for me is really precious because I can get five minutes of some kind of sun salutations in Mm -hmm. or rolling my back out or doing an abhyanga massage, which is like a hot oil massage just before I shower. And then I can make my bed, which I feel like works wonders. My mum was right. And (laughs) um, and I can meditate or I can plan when I'm going to meditate. So for example, if I know I've got a long train journey, I might meditate there. Mm -hmm. And that meditation is, I think it's the only reason I'm alive today Mm. (laughs) in many ways. It's, been very very good for me. Yeah. And um, mindfulness and meditation—they're kind of the same. But they can also be defined as something different. But just having one or two times in my day where I make sure I try to be to to be mindful helps me be mindful for the rest of the day. Mm. So making a cup of tea—I always talk about that as making that a mindful practice mm. because you know not everybody cooks themselves. I understand and depending on what your work is like people expect you to have work lunches or to to brainstorm during food if you if anywhere possible just try and keep food as just food but making a cup of tea is like this brief three moment three minutes in time where you can walk to the to the tea making station you know fill the kettle put the kettle on prepare your cup think about which tea you're going to have pour it wait for it to brew and then sip it Mm. And in that time, try not to look at your phone, try not to have an email, try not to have a conversation with someone. Just almost use that as your time to completely be present with everything you do, the texture of the cup, the heat of the tea. Asking yourself, what tea do I want? Not, oh, I haven't had a green tea today. I need to have that because I need, I need all the X, Y and Z or I need to have that or someone told me to have lemon in my water. Just actually, what do I need? Mm. And then enjoy the process. Mm. So a cup of tea is a really nice daily way to have that moment to yourself yeah. if you can't do the mornings as well. And then the sound baths, I love them because, you know, a lot of people don't want to do meditation or they're scared of it or they think it's um, they have to be Zen and they can't switch off their minds, which I hear all the time. And the idea is not to switch off your mind. Yeah. It's to practice not being your thoughts. Yeah. So the thoughts are still there. So when people come to the sound baths, I play these lovely crystal alchemy singing bowls and they're played completely randomly i don't even know how i'm going to play them they sound i can have the same set of bowls and they sound completely different and the randomness is almost what helps mentally because you can't fixate or hold on to it because mm. it's not a tune it's not a rhythm and then the tones and the frequency of each of the bowls are what kind of helps physically because it's the vibrations mm. that are affecting your body so people kind of come in they go oh fluffy blankets and pillows i get to lie down yes because no one gives themselves permission anymore to just lie down at home right you've got to be lying down listening to a podcast or lying down watching tv or lying down and thinking about planning i don't know christmas so to just lie down and then be t- completely distracted by the charm of the bowls mm. is a meditation in itself. Yeah. And then I tell people, you know, in your second, third or fourth sound bath, you'll probably have a lot more thoughts because your body will be like, oh, I know what this is about. Yeah. Let's plan something. Or let's go over that conversation with your boss. Or let's think about what you're going to say to your friend this weekend. Yeah. At that moment that you realize you're in your thoughts and you can come back to the breath, the body, the sound of the bowls, that's the meditation. Yeah. So it's just the awareness that I'm doing that and coming back to it, to where you're supposed to be. Yeah.
0: Love that. Someone told me once when I did a meditation course that the goal is not to have a
1: goal with meditation. Yeah. 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 And I
0: love that because then there is no, you know, there's no such a thing as a
1: bad meditation. No. I mean, someone's told me this that, you know, and it's so true, meditation, you know, session can feel like going into the ring with Mike Tyson. Mm. You can get totally (laughs) beaten up by your thoughts and memories and judgments for yourself yeah but my goodness it's like a spring clean afterwards yeah that's the oh
0: I love it I absolutely love it and the more you do it the more you crave it yes yeah absolutely. yeah that's why I always try to tell people like if you just get going it's get like going yeah you just it's like just yeah. sit
1: there and do your time yeah and then yeah then the magic happens yeah so I'd love to finish
0: off by asking a few questions that I know the listeners would love mm-hmm. to hear for you to answer Tell me a little bit about, we've already spoken about this, but maybe there's something you haven't mentioned, but do you have any particularly morning routine to set you up for a productive day?
1: Yes. So probably the one first thing I ever did that was particularly Ayurvedic was tongue scraping. Yep. And for me, it's, I can't not tongue scrape. Mm-hmm. I, if, my other half as well is like, did you pack the tongue scraper? Not did you pack the toothbrush? Did you pack the tongue scraper? So this is an Ayurvedic part of the morning routine where you take a a piece of metal and it's curved and you pass it down the tongue and you do it as soon as you wake up in the morning. And what comes off is really just some of the stuff that the body wants to dump after a night of sleeping and repairing and um, detoxifying. When you do that, you also are checking in with yourself Mm. every day. So I can see when I've not been sleeping well, the coating on my tongue is a certain type. Mm. If I have slept really well, even more obvious because it's, it's almost like the body's dumped more stuff out, mm. and then I can also see is my tongue very pink? Is it sore? Is it cracked? Is it is it swollen? Because it's got the scallops of the teeth on the side. Is the tip really red? And you don't need to be a master of of reading the tongue to get benefits from this because I think we know what a healthy tongue looks like. You just have to look at a child's tongue. Mm. It's pink. It's it looks. It looks firm, it looks healthy. It's weird, we're talking about tongues here. (laughs) Um, But it's a really good way of going, ah, what's really happening on the inside? Because on the outside, we can wash our hair, we can blow dry our hair, we can put makeup on, we can put a nice outfit on but that's a really nice way of understanding what's going in mm. inside. So that is a very important for me. And I also try where possible to do some kind of oil massage. Sometimes it's a proper oil massage before I shower with this hot oil. And I use an Ayurvedic blend, which is very good for grounding vata. Sometimes I do it at night if I've had a stressful day. I do it pre and post flight as well. But if I can't do that and I just shower, then I'll use a little bit of the oil just to seal in the moisture on my skin. Mm-hmm. If I don't put that on, I will be dried up. Yep. Then I'll do five minutes of a yoga flow. Yeah. If I've got time usually I don't want to do the 5 minutes but once I've done the 5 minutes I'm like oh that was good i have yeah. do the 5 minutes yeah and then sometimes it's just about starting isn't it It's just about starting just like the meditation yeah and then I will meditate and have breakfast but this week I was just saying it's been a bit busy I've been going to bed much much later and I haven't been able to do my whole routine and I miss it mm. So what I will do then is I will carve out time Sometimes I'll take the bus rather than walk just so I can sit with my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. If it's a nice walk, then I'll walk just so I can practice mindful walking. Yeah. So I just try in the back of my mind without giving myself any added pressure, just like this is, ben- this is beneficial. Yeah. Even though my hand is looking for the phone, mm. it's, my brain is saying, no, 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 you have to call her back. You have to call her back. And I have to, have to think, okay, no, that can wait. Mm. I need to do this. Love that. Lots of good
0: gems in there for people who are listening. In terms of uh, any other rituals, do you have anything that, that you can share with our listeners that you do, not just as part of the morning, but we spoke about you eating your main meal the yes. day and so- Hot maybe, water through the
1: day. Yeah. I try to not snack mm-hmm. too often unless I know meals are going to be late. Yeah. Because once I snack, I really like to have a snack mm-hmm. and then it throws my whole routine out. Mm hot water I keep thinking I keep saying that it's just the cheapest and best thing makes you not want a snack yes, I find exactly. know, the more you drink water, yeah. hot Sometimes water you are just yeah.
0: dehydrated. yeah um, and I can, I just want to share one mm-hmm. thing with the hot water is that I actually put it into at work I put it into a, our tea, Kiki Cave teapot which yes. I, and people laugh because it's like why don't you just put it straight into the cup but it's a ritual it's that beautiful yes. and I don't want to drink like uh, loads and loads of tea yes. uh, because I'm in so many meetings and I'd be like you know 30 teas a day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, but actually putting it into a pot and then pour it it's a ritual and then also you can have a little bit it gets
1: the right temperature that you like rather than filling up the cup drinking half and then the rest of the half gets cold i have my thermos in there i also have i actually have a copper cafetiere yeah, because I find it's really well insulated. Yeah, and so I just fill that in the beginning of the day, and then I'll get to about lunchtime, and that's finished. Then I'll top up again, mm. and then keep pouring that out as well. So same, same. <laughs> the dogs. I got the dogs just so that I wasn't sitting on my bottom in front of the laptop all day, mm. because I would literally be writing about moving your body, and there I would be three hours later mm. not moving my body. Yeah, it's incredible how time goes when you're just so focused mm. mentally. So. The dogs, on the weekend, we go for a big walk on a Sunday, and that's really good for me. What else? I try to make myself have baths. I'm not very good at it. I always think it's an indulgence, and it's time-consuming, but that's a habit I'm working on. Other rituals, gosh, I think there's loads. Sweet before my main meal. Mm. So I've got a very sweet tooth. I have experimented with cutting back and cutting out sugar over the last 10 years to great effect because I really had a sweet tooth. Yeah. But I have a fantastic relationship with with the sweet taste now because I've understood it via Ayurveda. The six tastes, sweet, sour, salty, pungent, astringent, bitter, these are the body's way of understanding what we need. Mm -hmm. So if we have a leafy salad that's very bitter and astringent... We want the saltiness in there or the sourness in there to complete the meal. I just made my mouth water. And that's why if we cut the sweet flavor from our foods, we're going to be looking for it because our body's, the, the body knows that certain minerals and things come from that sweet taste. And the sweet taste is incredibly grounding, which is mm-hmm. important for you and I because we're Vata types. Yes. I mean, that's why if someone's in shock, you give them sweet tea. That's why when you celebrate, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the taste of love. Mm-hmm. When you celebrate, you have cake with your loved ones. And yes, we've totally overdone it. And you might need to knock it on its head for a bit so you have a new relationship with it. But don't think of it as not being in your life forever Mm. because you are just going to drive yourself crazy. Mm. So I found that rather than say, for example, I'm going to lunch now, rather than say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to have a sweet. And then you finish your main meal and you're like, oh, should we just share that cake? Mm -hmm. Or should we get two? Should we get two and four spoons? No, let's try all the menu (laughs) and four spoons. And then I can't leave it. So I'll eat everybody else's. And then I leave feeling like, blah. Because yeah. I've eaten to my capacity and then put cake on top. Mm. Whereas if I find if I eat something sweet first, nice. I get just a little bit. And also sweet is the, the, the most satiating. So you feel satisfied quicker on your meal. And also it's the hardest to digest. So if you put it on top of the food, mm. your digestive fire can't get to it so easily. If you put it as the first thing, it can burn through that and then work with the rest of the foods. Mm. I will have in my day-to-day like a little laddu or an energy ball before my lunch or a little bit of chocolate before my lunch, or a little bit of like a, something sweet, a cake. I make this beautiful mung dal cake with oranges just like that and then I don't need my biscuits I don't need anything afterwards mm-hmm. I don't go looking in the cupboard for stuff
0: yeah 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 that's interesting I might mm. try that you know I have this thing where after I I, I've, I am dark chocolate mm-hmm. you know I love that and it actually used to be wine I, I don't drink wine anymore mm-hmm. but it used to be my dessert like yes, a yes. glass of red my, wine a little is, bit of red yeah, dark chocolate
1: I love yeah,
0: yeah same. but now I actually bought some bata tea which yes. is often you know cinnamon and yes, you know yes, yes. Um, licorice and yes. that kind of stuff and that kind of yes. gets my sweet tooth. Um, but
1: I love to have a bit of a chocolate yes. with it because it's I, the textures as well. I love chocolate. But interestingly, I've gone from dark, dark, dark chocolate to more like 60% mm-hmm. because I could feel the caffeine. Yeah. yeah, And so I can take 75, 80% if I know I'm very grounded. Holidays. I can even have a coffee on holiday. Yeah. In my day-to-day life in London, I stick to 60% and no coffee, mm. because I feel it on my system very strongly. Yeah. So that was, that's was that been a passive learning curve, you know, because yeah. you think darker the better, more antioxidants, yeah. less of the sugar. Duh, 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 duh. And then I realize, oh, now I'm finding my real balance. Mm. That's
0: so interesting. interesting. That's a yeah. really good,
1: good tip for yeah. our listeners And as well. if I drink, I tend to drink at home with my other half on yeah. a Friday yeah. where we're, we're really present with our meal. Yeah. I go to events, I don't drink, yeah. because otherwise I'm just not. I'm just yeah. putting it in there and yeah. I have no idea what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did um a year. I've done 14 months no alcohol mm-hmm. and I did it more because I'm at events all the time and I'm mm. everywhere and you know and I my favorite is to actually have a a glass of bread on my own with a yes, good book. Yeah, yeah. And then you and but then you're on the like, and then you're home and it feels like you always have alcohol. So I decided to take yes, it out of my my yes. um, life and I'm not saying I'm not gonna do that forever, but yeah. that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. You know, trying different things and I, I always um I try not to live the same year every year. You know, I always try to add something or take something away oh, and try nice. to do something that is um could be a course, it could be yes. could be a challenge. Yeah, or a, yeah. um, um the alcohol has been really interesting because it's not just the alcohol itself, it's yeah. everyone around you yes and has, how they react to you absolutely I mean
1: I think it's much easier to do it now than it was five years ago I mean you could really if you turned up to meet your friend for dinner and you told her she, you weren't drinking she could dump you yeah <laughs> she'd be like <laughs> oh I could have had I could have had dinner with someone else who was way more fun than you or it makes them feel like well I want to drink so yeah. what does that make me look like exactly and, yeah it's interesting it's a very
0: yeah it's been a very interesting I could possibly write a book yeah. about that <laughs> What's your favorite Kiki K product, if you have one? I have been eyeing up your teapot.
1: <laughs> the teapot would be the one to go, just because it represents... It makes me think of you, and it makes me think of the whole hot water and the ritual mm. and the the no need to multitask, yeah. I think, you know? Because yeah. it's going to be like... My old self would have been like, don't do that. That's an extra thing to wash up.
0: Yeah.
1: And an extra thing to do, and, but actually, no, it's just that groundingness. It's just that thing that makes you feel human, yeah, isn't it? Rituals, I think rituals are there to make you remember you're a human. Mm. And that's important.
0: Yeah, love that. Thanks for sharing. And what's your favorite book and why,
1: if you have one? Not, oh, I'm no. not
0: thinking yours this time. Ah, <laughs> gosh.
1: So the thing, I'm just going to say the thing that came into my mind was the Mahabharata. So this is like the, oh gosh, I don't even know if I'm going to describe it properly. I haven't finished it. But it's it's a big epic book. And I forget the the author who's who's written this, but this the, who's written the version that I'm reading. But this is kind of like, I guess, can I call it like the Bible of India? Yeah, of course. It's the it's all the stories and myth what we might call mythological, mm-hmm. or but actually, the more I read it, the more I'm like, there is so many truths in here. Mm. But my conditioned mind sees them as fairy tale and fantasy. Mm. But there is so much wisdom in that, and I I think it's the kind of book you can read two hundred times in your lifetime. and yeah. you're just scratching the surface. Yeah, I think it's like there's many layers to this stuff. And I say it's my favorite book only because it's epic. I became completely addicted to reading it. I've had to like step back from it a few times because it, I could just dive straight in, but and and not resurface until it's done. So that's been a big book that's I haven't read in in a haven't touched it in over a year and a half but yeah
0: yeah beautiful we'll link to that in the show notes so thank you thank you for sharing I'll send
1: you the version that I'm reading
0: oh thank you thank you so one last question for you if you could go back to your younger self say when
1: you're in your late teens what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now I don't know what I would say I don't have to sum it up but more like None of the things you worry about you are probably going to think about in a, if you, in a, in a week's time or a mm. year's time, you know, the things we get caught up in going through the schooling system and everything's like, make sure you do this and make sure you do that. Mm. And it feels like all or nothing. I think if I'd learned to meditate when I was younger, I think that would have been huge mm. because to sit with yourself in that really active way is really important. And then I would just say, yeah, go with the flow. Yeah. Really go with the flow. And um, when you know better... Do better. Yeah, I like that one from Maya Angelou. Yeah, yeah. When you know better, then you do better. Don't be trying to strive for things you don't know or no. don't understand. Let things come and process them. Don't seeking is good, but you don't overseek. Yeah, being passive is good, but don't be too over passive. No. Like just play be be playfully inquisitive that's what gary Gore would say yeah yeah i love that what a great way to end
0: thank you so much for your time thank you and thanks for all that you do um, to the world it's super inspiring and i i love that spreading the word on your um on your newest cookbook because i think that is the the way of living i love that you're sharing that
1: with the modern world so thank thank you you so so much much. thank you so nice to speak to like-minded people like this so thank you thank you
0: Wow, what an incredible chat that was. So much inspiration on how we can all start to implement simple practices into our everyday to start living happier and healthier lives. I really love Jasmine's approach to bringing Eastern philosophies into our Western way of living. One of the main nuggets of wisdom I took from our chat was the importance of checking in with yourself regularly. As Jasmine says, the more you understand yourself as a human being and tune into how things are making you feel, the more in touch you will be with what you need and what you truly want from your life. I couldn't agree more, which is why you'll find chapters in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, to help you take the time to really reflect and check in with who you are and where you are right now. If you haven't got a copy yet, it's full of simple steps to help you on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I will love your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. So please help us spread this inspiring message by sharing our podcast on social media with the hashtag one hundred one million dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.